All right, well, if you have your Bible, go ahead and open to John chapter 10. John 10, that's where we'll be as we are continuing in our series that is asking the question, who is Jesus? And this is what we've been doing for the last few weeks of, you know, trying to answer this question that people have tried for years and years and years to answer. And, you know, as we've seen, there are multiple thoughts on the subject. There are those that say that Jesus is a liar. There are those that say that Jesus is a lunatic. As a matter of fact, we're going to see that again in the story today. And then there are some that say that Jesus is Lord. And we'll also see an element of that in the story. But as we continue to ask this, we want to let Jesus himself answer the question. And what we have seen from him so far as we've asked, who is Jesus is that He is the bread of life. And last week, as we looked again into the text, we saw that Jesus is the light of the world. Well, once again, we are asking that question, who is Jesus? Now, next Sunday, there'll be a little bit of a pause in the series, because we will not be here, but Tim is going to be bringing the message to you. And that'll be, his, that'll be their official last Sunday here. But he is going to be preaching that message. I think it's going to be great. I have a feeling he'll reminisce a good bit and maybe cry a little bit. And, but he'll, he'll make it through it. Um, we're going to get all of that out today, right? Get all the crying out today. Sharon told me she didn't think she was going to be able to make it through the sermon. And I promised her that I've got some really funny parts coming up to this sermon. So to help break and, and lighten up the mood just a little bit. So we ask, who is Jesus? Now then keep that question in mind while I ask this next question. Other than, and I'm not talking about John, and I'm not talking about Tommy, and I'm not talking about Jeffrey. Does anybody know an actual shepherd? Somebody who shepherds Real sheep, goats, what have you. Anybody, anybody know one of those? I didn't think so. There could have been one hand go up in the room. I know where a shepherd is. I have seen a live shepherd before. And I think I've told you this several years ago. But Bethany and I used to lead mission trips to, uh, to New York, uh, to Timothy Hill Children's Ranch. And it's a boy's ranch. Just, I mean, it's about two hours outside of New York City. Which makes no sense. You don't think of a ranch being on Long Island, but there is. You get outside the city going kind of toward the Hamptons, and before you get to that area, it's, it looks a lot like this. It's, it's farmland. And there is a ranch that is set up there, and it is a faith-based ranch. It's, it's, it's run by Christians, and they bring in young men and young women who have gotten in trouble with the law, and they might be going, looking at going to YDC. They might even be facing prison time. But this is sort of the, the last chance effort to sort of help them rehabilitate. And it's a really, really great thing. And so we would go up there every year and we would work in their greenhouse primarily. And that's kind of the main job there at the greenhouse. And we would help them plant mums and poinsettias and everything getting ready for Christmas. That's where a lot of their income is drawn from. And, and, and one year we helped them, one summer we helped them plant 6,000 poinsettias. It was a lot of work. But we're not the only ones who do the work, the groups that come in. 
the kids that live on the ranch, they work there as well. And so as part of, of, of helping them learn some life skills and job skills, they have to apply for a job on the ranch. And so they have career counselors that are there that help them to, to draft a cover letter. And they help them learn how to write a resume. And they have to go and get an interview for all of these different jobs on the ranch. And like I said, the biggest employer on the ranch is, is the greenhouse. But then there is also the meal prep teams. Uh, there are the, um, the, the cleaning service teams that go in and they kind of clean out the cottages. And they clean the main buildings and get those taken care of real well. Uh, there is a demolition and construction team, which doesn't always meet. It just depends on if they're demoing something or constructing something. Uh, but the most coveted job is that of the ranch shepherd. Okay. And not everybody can do that job. Only one person on the entire ranch gets to be the ranch shepherd, but everybody wants that job because he gets up in the morning at, at eight o'clock, you know, Gets up and he goes and he gets his sheep. He calls them out. He leads them. He leads them around the ranch. He lets them graze. He watches over them. You know, he's got the full-blown shepherd's crook and everything. And he leads them all throughout this ranch. Basically, he doesn't have to do anything else. Okay, he just walks around looking at sheep all day long. But that is the most coveted job on the ranch. It's that of the, of the ranch shepherd. And everybody wants that job. Now, over the years, sheep have kind of gotten a, a bad reputation for being less than brilliant. But actually, I think there's some research that shows that they're pretty intelligent animals, but they have a big problem with, with fear. Because just about everything scares them. Um, you know, and, and you know, they, they've got some good reason. Because there are a lot of predators that would love to take down a sheep. You know, the wolves want to go after those sheep. They want to devour the sheep. They're also pretty good at, uh, at getting lost. I heard one time that if they've not been shorn and their wool is really long and grown out, when it gets wet, they can fall over. Just upside down, just legs just a-kicking. Until somebody comes along and flips them, flips them back over. And then I read one story. I read one story about this old ram and these, this, this flock of sheep that were put on a barge. They were being transported down the river. And that old ram decided, I don't want to be on this barge. And he leapt over the rail into the river. And the sheep were like, that seems like a good idea to us. And they followed him. And they all drowned in the river. Okay. You know, and we, we, we wonder, you know, what, why, why they don't have the best reputation. It's because they're, they're, they're easy targets. Now then, I've got two videos of, of sheep that I'm going to show you. I'm going to go ahead and say now that no sheep were harmed in the making of these videos. But the first one is great and might give you some idea as, as number one, why they don't come across as extremely intelligent. But also, you'll see that there's one particular sheep, the main character in the first video, he absolutely scares the other sheep to death. So, Kendall, go ahead and show that clip. <laughs> Check that guy out. 
Or watch the sheep in the background. That's funny. It's like he's super sheep. I don't know how he ended up in the tire swing. I don't know if he did that on his own or if some person stuck him in there. But some way or another, somebody stuck that sheep in the tire swing. Now, then there's another video. It's, 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 it's shot in another country. So I'll keep the volume turned down on it because you, the, you won't understand the language. But it's a a shepherd who is leading his flock kind of up along the side of a highway. And as you see, this is kind of shot from a dash cam. Don't play it just yet. But the dash, uh, the the car comes along and they're passing the sheep. And there's going to be a sheepdog somewhere around in this area. This might even be the sheepdog right here. And it's going to do its job because it sees, you know, in what its mind is a predator coming after the sheep, but it's this vehicle. And so it goes after the vehicle. The vehicle continues moving forward and it spooks the sheep. And there, again, is going to be one main protagonist in this video. Now then, this is the shepherd right here. He's not the main guy, but pay attention to what happens to him. Go ahead and roll that video. Just wait for it. Ooh! <laughs> yes! Yes! I mean, that looks so painful. Extremely painful. Now then, it was fear, that I think, that caused all of that reaction. What we see is that sheep, when they get scared, sometimes they do some foolish things. Now then, whether we like to admit it or not, and we rarely do, but sometimes we too are subject to fear. And that fear can cause us to behave just as foolishly as sheep do. Afraid of failing in business or or on our jobs. And so in order to make sure that we don't fail or that we do succeed, we might be tempted to cut corners. We might be tempted to fudge the numbers to make it look like we've had more gains than, than losses. Frightened by loneliness. There are those that, that fall prey to relationships that can harm emotionally and spiritually. Uh, one night uh, at the hospital, it was about 11 o'clock, the pager went off and uh, I was asked to go see uh, an elderly woman. And as I got to the room, she was in tears. She was beside herself. And as I sat down and listened to her, she told me this story of how she was alone and she's very lonely and she fell victim to an internet predator, a, a, a wolf that lured her in that made her feel special, that made her feel good, that she wasn't alone. And the guy, you know what he did? He took all her money. Now she's in the hospital. She's had open heart surgery. I mean, you could see you know, the tape where they've, they've taped her, where they've split her chest open. And they have, they have taped her back together. But it was because of a fear of, of loneliness. 
It wasn't the the open heart surgery that she wanted to talk about. She had a deeper hurt in her heart. And it was that loneliness, that fear of loneliness then drove her to find herself in, in that kind of situation. And fear of loneliness can do that. Or maybe we're afraid that we're going to, to miss out on something. Or, or we're not going to, to look the part. We're not keeping up with the Joneses. So we spend and we spend and we spend and we overextend ourselves. Because we're afraid that we won't be accepted or we won't, we won't look like everybody else. Or we're worried that something terrible will befall our children. And so we vainly try to, to control their lives. Knowing that that, that is a, a futile effort. And then oddly, there are, are some of us that are even afraid to admit just how afraid we are. And when you look around and you, you see what's in the world, there's some scary stuff out there. Is there not? There are some scary things out there. Because we live in a broken world. We live in a world that has evil in it. Doug talked about Mama Kate's birthday party yesterday. And she sat right here in a chair and Barbara came up and began to talk to her or to talk about her. And he talked about or she talked about her her prayer life and her morning routine. And every morning she would get up and she would say, good morning, God. And then she would say, good morning, Satan. And of course, Barbara was like, wait a minute, you're talking to Satan now. But then Mama Kate explained that, look, I want Satan to know that I know that he's there. So that he doesn't have any power on me. So that he can't sneak up on me. We live in a world where there is evil. And that can cause a tremendous amount of fear. Fear can, can shape our behavior. It can become so powerful that it pushes us off the path of righteousness. Making us all the more vulnerable to evil. It's actually pretty amazing how much we have in common with sheep. That's why Isaiah wrote in 53.6, We all, like sheep, have gone astray. And sometimes fear, it shapes our behavior, it shapes our our choices in ways that not lead to to greater security, which we might think, but it can lead to, to deepened anxiety. It's no wonder that we need a shepherd to keep us safe, a shepherd to, to guide us along the right path. When Jesus tells his people this parable about how about sheep, I think what he had in mind is that people just like sheep need a shepherd to follow. And that's what Jesus is really trying to get us to understand. That yes, we, like sheep, have gone astray. How do we get back? We have to have a shepherd to point us back the right way. So let's begin reading with us in John chapter 10. Truly I tell you, anyone who doesn't enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in another way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters the gate is the shepherd of the pen. The gatekeeper opens the door for him. The sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and he leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes ahead of him. The sheep 
follow Him because they know His voice. The sheep will never follow a stranger. Instead, they will run away from Him because they don't know the stranger's voice. Now, not a whole lot of sheep pens around today. Okay, None of us really knows the shepherd. All right, Not a whole lot of sheep pens around. But in Jesus' day... In Jesus' day, there were a lot of sheep pens. There were a lot of shepherds, which meant you had multiple flocks all over the place. But instead of constructing multiple sheep pens, they would have one common pen. And this is kind of what it looks like. Here's kind of a representation of a sheep pen. And all of these different shepherds, at the end of the day, they would bring their flock and they would put it in the sheep pen. And then they would hire somebody to be kind of the night watchman, kind of the porter or or whatever it might be. And then the next morning, the shepherd would come to the sheep pen. The gatekeeper would see who it is. He'd move out of the way. The shepherd then calls his sheep by name and they get up and they go out. Okay? Now then, if we tried that in New York, you know, if, if Bethany, for instance tries to go and and lead the sheep in New York, and she walks up to the sheep pen, and she says, All right, fluffy, buffy, scruffy, and muffy, y'all, come on. You know, those sheep are going to be like, Do what? (laughs) Who is that? We're not following her. Why? Because they don't recognize her voice. Jesus says the reason the sheep follow the shepherd is because they recognize They recognize the shepherd's voice. And so he calls them and he leads them out. They will not follow a stranger. Now then we think, okay, this this keeping sheep safe, that's kind of a big deal because that's, that's part of your livelihood. And we think the walls is probably the best way to do it. But here's the thing about shepherds and about sheep. Security comes not from the walls. Security comes from proximity to the shepherd. Does that make sense? There are lots of things that want to attack the sheep, that want to lead the sheep astray. It's not the walls that they find their security. It's their proximity to the shepherd because the shepherd is then going to go out and fend off whatever's trying to attack the sheep. We see this in the Old Testament. Who is the most famous shepherd from the Old Testament? One more. David. David is the most well-known shepherd in, in in the Old Testament. Okay? The Lord is my shepherd, right? Remember those words that he penned? Two different occasions, wild beasts tried to attack his sheep. Do you remember that? What were they? There was a lion and a bear, and he killed both of them. That was his resume for why he should be allowed to fight Goliath, by the way. Okay? Pretty good resume. Because I'm pretty sure a lion and a bear could probably kill Goliath if it wanted to. But David is the example of that. A lion attacks, a bear attacks, he goes out and he kills both of them, and he spares the sheep. It's not the walls where the sheep find their security, it's their proximity to the shepherd. And that's the same for us. We, if, if we're afraid... If we have fears and anxieties, getting further away from Jesus is not going to make us more secure. 
Why do we know that? Because what does 1 Peter 5 tell us? Tell us Satan goes around like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour and we, like sheep, have all gone astray. And there's a roaring lion seeking to eat the sheep. The further we get away from Jesus, the less secure we come. We become. Security is found in proximity to the shepherd. Now then, you have the sheep pen. And you see that there's an opening there. Now that's fixing to come into the picture in just a second. The text continues and it says, Jesus gave them this figure of speech, but they did not understand what he's telling them. So he continues again in verse 7. He says, truly I tell you, I am the gate for the sheep. All who came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not listen to them. I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and come in and go out and find pasture. Then he goes on in verse 10. The thief comes not to kill, comes not but to kill and steal and destroy, but I have come that they might have life and that they might have it more abundantly. That's Jesus' words. That's the I am right there. Now then, you, want, you look at this sheep pen, you think, well, where's the gate? Anything can just come in and out. Jesus says, I am the gate. So what they would do is they would hire that overnight person and he would lay himself right there in the gate. He would position himself so that if anybody wanted in the pen, they had to go through him. Okay? Jesus says, I am that gate. Okay? I am that gate. And when he says, I am the gate, what he is saying is, I'm the one that watches over you. I am the one that offers you this protection. It's not about walls. It's about proximity to the shepherd. Uh, theologian F.F. F. Bruce, he says this. He says, when pe- the people of Christ have forgotten this and they've tried to secure unity or safety by building walls around themselves, the results have not been encouraging. The walls have either been so comprehensive as to enclose a number of wolves along with the sheep, which is with disastrous consequences to the sheep, or they have been so restricted as to exclude more sheep than they enclose. Why? It's not about the walls. It's about the shepherd. Okay? Let's let's dial that in even more. Okay? What we do as a body, it's not about this building. It's not about this stage. It's not about this table. It's not about these walls. It's not about the speakers. Okay? It's not about any of this. It's not about this 25-acre uh, tract of property that, that we have that our buildings sit on. Okay? Those can be burned to the ground. And guess what? Satan still can't touch us. Because it's not about this. It's not about the building. It's not about the location. It's about the shepherd. And are we close to the shepherd? Are we staying in that close proximity? Brick and mortar is eventually going to burn and be done away with. That's the the, the tangible. But the intangible is what comes with Jesus Christ. What can never be destroyed, like what Doug read for us at communion. 
We can't ever be separated from the love of Christ. Nothing can separate us. And so Jesus says, I am the gate. If anyone enters by me, he will come in and go out and find pasture. The thief comes to kill. The thief comes to steal. The thief comes to destroy. But I am here so that you can have life. And not just life, but you can have it more abundantly. And then notice verse 11. He says, I am the good shepherd, and the good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. Now, there are a lot of people that they get really concerned. Give their life to Jesus. See others give their life to Jesus. And then you'll hear them say things like, oh, well, you know, I, you know, I, don't, I just don't know if I'm, I'm, I'm safe with him. You know, you may have been that way before. You may have doubted your own salvation. And here's the thing. There's only one way in. There's only one way out. What's the way in? Through Jesus. That means the way out is through Jesus as well. You can't, you can't go in the door of Jesus and then fall out the window. Okay? It's all about Jesus. Salvation is all about Jesus. It's about affirming and believing and committing and being baptized into Jesus. Or it's about completely denying Jesus. There's only one way in. There's only one way out. And it's all about Jesus. And so he says, I'm the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The hired hand, since he is not the shepherd, doesn't own the sheep, leaves them and runs away when he sees a wolf coming. The wolf then snatches and scatters them. This happens because he is a hired hand and does not care about the sheep. Now then, that word good, it, it carries with it a connotation. It's not just, oh yeah, that's good. But it carries with it, it, carries with it the, the idea of, of, of beauty. It carries with it the idea of being distinguished, of, of being noble. It carries with it the idea of being worthy. And what are we saying? Worthy is the Lamb. Jesus is... The worthy shepherd. He is the only one who can save us. He's the only one worthy enough because He's the only one to never commit a sin. He is the good shepherd who is willing to lay down His life for the sheep. It says the hired man, He runs. Why? Because He's got nothing invested. Okay, those aren't his sheep. And so the wolf comes, the hired hand's like, I'm out, I'm gone, I'm not staying here to fight that thing off. He's got nothing invested. He's got nothing to lose because they're not his sheep. But Jesus stands in the gap. Jesus is willing to do whatever it takes. In verse 14, he says, again, I am the good shepherd I know my own, 
and my own know me. And this speaks to the intimacy of the relationship that we can have with Jesus. You know, of all the other religions and, and philosophies and belief systems in the world, especially the ones that, that have deities, you don't see another one that invites you into the intimate relationship that Christianity does. Jesus says, I know the sheep. The sheep know me. That means Jesus knows who you are. Jesus knows your name. If nobody else knows your name, Jesus knows your name. Okay? If nobody else knows your story, Jesus knows your story. If everybody else overlooks you, Jesus doesn't overlook you. Because Jesus knows who you are. Jesus, the good shepherd, knows the sheep. And the sheep know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, I lay down my life for the sheep. He says, but I have other sheep. You know who the other sheep are? It's us. Because we're, none of us are Jews, that I can tell, anyway. When Jesus says, I have other sheep, and I've got to go get them, and I'm going to bring them into the pen, he's speaking about you, and he's speaking about me. Which means that Jesus is not only the good shepherd for the people of his day, he's the good shepherd for each and every one of us today. That good shepherd that has laid down his life. He says, there are sheep that are not from this pen and I must bring them in also. And they will listen to my voice. And then maybe one of the most beautiful lines penned in all of scripture. Then there will be one flock. No division, no brokenness, no prejudice, no racism, no divide, no gap of any kind. There will only be one flock. This is why the Father loves me. Because I lay down my life so that I may take it up again. No one takes it from me, but I lay it down on my own. I have the right to lay it down. I have the right to take it up again. I received this command from my Father. And then listen to this in verse 19. Again, the Jews were divided because of these words. Many of them were saying, he has a demon and he's crazy. There it is right there. That's nuts. You're claiming to be this shepherd. You're claiming to lay down your life for all these people. You're just this nomadic rabbi. They said, why do you listen to them? But others were saying, these aren't the words of someone who is demon-possessed. Can a demon open the eyes of the blind? Then later, Jesus is at this festival of, of dedication. He's talking again. He's still talking about sheep. They don't want to believe. They say, how long are you going to keep us in suspense? When are you going to tell us? Are you, are you the Messiah? Can you, just, can you just be clear with us? And he said, I did tell you, and you don't believe. 
The works that I do in my Father's name testify about me, but you don't believe because you are not one of my sheep. Becoming a sheep of Jesus requires belief in Jesus. Belief in Jesus requires getting to know Jesus. Getting to know Jesus means you have to move toward Jesus to understand Him and to know what Jesus has done. And He says, you don't know because you're not my sheep. But then in verse 27, He says, my sheep hear my voice. I know them. And they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one, no one will snatch them out of my hand. That's what it means to be a sheep. While it can be scary, and while we can make some really, really boneheaded decisions, maybe it's not all that bad to be a sheep. But if we're going to be a sheep, we've got to be the sheep that's close to Jesus. Right? Because if you're not a sheep, like a, a Jesus sheep, then you, really you might be something else. Yeah, and in Matthew... Two, well, that's it. That's exactly it. Because in Matthew 25, Jesus said, I'm, everybody's going to stand before Him and I'm going to separate the sheep on the right and the goats to the left. You know, and he says he's going to bring the sheep in, bring the sheep home, bring the, the sheep into the presence of the Lord. And so if we're going to be a sheep, one, we've got to have a Savior. If we're going to be a sheep, we've got to be close to the shepherd because that's where our strength comes from. That's where our security is found. That's why I think, hey, I, don't, I don't want to be a sheep. Sheep are dumb. They get themselves into all kind of trouble. Yeah, that's true. Just like all of us. There are a lot of, there's a lot of stuff out there to be afraid of. There's a lot of stuff. But we have to remember that we have not been given a spirit of timidity. Remember that Jesus calls you by name. Jesus knows everything about you. Jesus is ready to lead you if you are ready to make Him the good shepherd of your life. That means you draw near to Him and you confess Everything You confess your tendency to let fear shape the responses in your life. You ask God to restore your soul and, and give you peace. You commit your life to Jesus through, through baptism. You see, fear leads to death. Jesus leads to life. So who is Jesus? Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us to an abundant life. And it's not just okay life. 
But it's life abundant. Now, I'm not talking about riches and fame and all of that stuff. I'm not talking about health and wealth or name it and claim it, any of that stuff. I'm talking about the good life in the kingdom of God. The life that has experienced a, a restoration of the soul. A life that's experienced new birth out of old death. I'm talking about someone who's been created new because of Jesus. That's what it means to live that abundant life. And here's the thing. If you're in Jesus, you're living the abundant life now. And guess what? It's only going to get better. Not before He comes back. But it's eventually all going to get better. So how does Jesus lead us to an abundant life? By showing us how to live. I see four ways that he does this. There's more, but I've got four here. The first way that he leads us to an abundant life is he shows us how to love God and love others. Wasn't that the first, first and greatest command? They asked Jesus, what's the greatest command? He said, love the Lord with everything you got. The second one is just like it. Love all people the way you love yourself. If you do those two things, you're going to cover You're going to complete, you're going to fulfill whatever you want to say, the entire law and the prophets, and everything is pegged on those two commands. You cannot be a sheep if you do not love other sheep. Okay? One of the worst things in the world to experience is sheep bite. Think about what that means. Sheep biting other sheep. People that have been turned off because of the church. Because they weren't loved. Because they weren't cared for. Jesus shows us how to do this. And Jesus said, if this relationship, you know, if we don't love one another, if this relationship isn't good, then this relationship isn't good. Okay? The horizontal's got to be good so the vertical can be good. Okay? So he shows us how to live an abundant life by loving God and others. The second way he shows us is he shows us how to pray. Just like we talked about on Wednesday night. When you pray, this is how you do it. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us the bread we need for the day. Give us the forgiveness that we got to have. And oh, by the way, help us to forgive those that sin against us. And keep us, lead us, direct us, shepherd us away from temptation. Protect us from the power of the evil one. Jesus taught us how to pray. To pray in the abundant life. He also taught us how to sacrifice. How to take up our cross daily. You know, you've heard me say this several times. All the other gospels, they, they talk about taking up your cross. Luke adds that one little qualifier in there. 
He doesn't just say take up your cross. He says take up your cross daily, which means it's not just about giving up your life for somebody. It means that you're willing to sacrifice for someone every single day. That you're willing to take up the cross. It means you're willing to follow the will of God no matter where it leads you. If you want to live a truly abundant life, go serve somebody. It's more blessed to give than to receive. Jesus taught us that. He said that's what the abundant life is about. It's about putting others first. And then lastly, he taught us to expand the kingdom by meeting needs. You see Jesus doing this everywhere he goes. He meets needs, whether they were physical, whether they were spiritual, whether they were emotional. He met people where they were. And he met their needs. You see, and if we will do these things, I mean, this is, this is what a sheep can do. You think, well, a sheep can't do much. Yeah, a sheep can. A sheep can do all those things. And if we just got the first one right, how much better would things be? We get that first one right, and all the rest of those are going to fall into line. That's how to live the abundant life. It's about knowing that Jesus is the good shepherd who leads us to the abundant life. but we're the ones that have to live it. We can see it, but if we don't choose to live it, we'll miss out on everything. Jesus is the Savior. Jesus is the Good Shepherd who leads us to abundant life.